Life involves thinking. Thinking is a big part of living. Amen? It was Rene Descartes, that the French philosopher and mathematician, who said, cogito ergo sum, right? I think, therefore I am. This was his philosophy, his understanding of self-awareness and realizing that he's here. Self-awareness, consciousness, and thought are foundational aspects to human life and human existence. I don't know if you've given much thought to those things, but those things are whole categories of study. The consciousness that we have as human beings, the, 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 the ability that we have to be self-aware and, and, and to think about the reality that there's a world out there in front of us that's real. And so these are foundational things in the human experience. To break it down even further, thinking is a big part of what we do in life. We think. God created us as rational beings. He created us with a brain and a pretty decent sized one. Amen? <laughs> for, 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 for most of us, amen? For most of us, a pretty good sized brain, a mind and, and cognitive ability. We were given the gift of thought. The problem is that because of our fallen sinful nature, we have a propensity to let our thoughts drift towards the things that are not true, wrong, not upright, and even evil. The whole concept in the Bible of temptation, if you look at it, the whole concept of temptation deals with us dwelling on, thinking on, and desiring things that we shouldn't. We shouldn't be thinking about desiring those things, and we think and we dwell on those things that are forbidden by God, and those forbidden thoughts sometimes become deeds, and that's the, the, that progression of sin that we see in the Bible. And then sin is what separates us from God. Sin is what causes us to feel shame. It causes us to perhaps feel alone. It, it, it caused Adam and Eve to feel naked, to look down and say, look, we're naked. We, we, we don't have any covering. And that feeling of separation often brings with it um, anxiety, worry, and depression. Not only do we have a, a propensity to dwell on what God has forbidden, we have an unbelievable knack for believing a lie, for dwelling on what is not true. We worry with thoughts of what's going to happen, and we have no idea what's going to happen. We, we think about things that are going to happen as if we are sure that they're going to happen. We, we think about what, what others think of us. <laughs> and, and all kinds of thoughts like this that, that we, we don't know for sure. We, we don't have that knowledge to know if those things be true. The Bible is filled with commands and exhortations to control one's thoughts. We're commanded to think on good things and to meditate on God. We're commanded to meditate on his word. The question is, why should we meditate on these things? 
because they're the things that are sure. They're the things that we can rely on. If you don't know what to think about, think about God and get into his word because those are things that you can rely on. They're true. But we're so easily enticed by a lie. The world, so today, so easily enticed by lies, by things that are untrue. We live in the, the, the generation of fake news, right? <laughs> Who would have thought that would be a category? But in reality, it's always been a category, right? It's always, there's always been a category of fake news. There's always someone, there's always been people trying to shape the perception of reality. We are so easily discouraged by a grave possibility. We're so easily brought down by a sinful idea. The Apostle Paul here in Philippians has commended himself to us as an example of a genuine believer. He, he's invited the Philippians to, to join in following his example. And he's commended himself in these ways. He's commended us to follow his example by embracing the cross, to be people who embrace the cross and not to live as enemies of it. Paul has reminded us that our citizenship is in heaven and that from heaven Jesus is returning for us. And in our last study, we were encouraged to stand fast in the Lord, being united together, being, being joyful, and by taking everything to God in prayer. Now, tonight, we're going to look at Paul dealing with the thought life of the Christian. God is concerned with your ideas, your, your thoughts, your dreams. The Apostle Paul lays out for the Christian the things that we should think about, dwell upon, and meditate upon. And if we get this tonight, this, this tonight, these verses are revolutionary for the person, for a person. Revolutionary. If you get a hold of God's word tonight. Today, tonight in our study, Paul is going to tell us what kinds of things that we should think about and direct our thoughts towards. So let's dive in here. He's, he says, he starts off saying, think about these things. Let's look at it, verse eight of Philippians four. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. If, if we're going to honor the Lord, if you're going to honor the Lord in your life, if, if, if you're going to endeavor <laughs> to honor the Lord in your life, we've got to honor the Lord in our thoughts, in our, in our thinking. In fact, this is where it all starts. We've got to do this. If, 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 if you're not going to tackle this one, well, you're, you're just in for a struggle. I mean, it's going to be a struggle anyways because we're struggling with the Lord. We're walking with the Lord. We're, 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 we're doing this thing. But it's going to be a bigger struggle if you don't get a handle on this principle. And this is the thing, this is the thing we deal with. The Apostle Paul's writing here in his letter to the church of Philippi and and he's talking to us about the thought life, our, our thought life. 
And he, here in verse 8, he says, uh, finally, finally. Um, preachers, apostles and preachers are known for saying finally. <laughs> it doesn't mean much, but we do say it, finally, finally. And Paul says here, finally. He's making, he's kind of drawing everything to a close here. He's drawing the, he's drawing the letter to a close and, and moving it towards a conclusion. And he, he says, finally, brothers. And again, you know, we've talked about that, right? We've talked about how he looked at them as his family, as his brothers and sisters, as his crown, as his joy. And we talked about that last week and looking to our right and our left and seeing the people that are on your right and your left, everybody in this room and, and, and believers in general as, as, as our joy. And, and, and you know what? We don't have to agree, and I thought about this, we don't have to agree with every single person. I mean, truth be told, if you knew everything I thought and everything, and I knew everything you thought, we'd realize we, we got, we've got some disagreements. But you know what? That's okay. That's okay. Because we're the family of God. We're believers. We're brothers and sisters. And we need to see each other as such. And we need to realize that we can find joy in the family of God. Amen? And, uh, and so then Paul proceeds with a list of things that he concludes with this phrase, meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. Look at it, verse 8. He says, um, in the e I read from the ESV, and he said, think about these things. In other translations, it says, meditate on these things. Um, Paul knew that a person's thoughts determine who the person is, his or her attitudes, and how he or she acts towards others. Uh, so anyways, it, the, the idea goes like this. If if you, if, if you don't like your behavior, then you need to change your thoughts. If, if, you, if you don't like what's going on in your lives, then you need to start thinking about different things. Thinking about doing something different. Thinking about different ideas. Thinking, I mean, are, 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 the, are your ideas all kind of small ideas? Or are, they, are they petty? Or, or are, you, are you thinking about big things? Are you thinking about what God has for you? Or thinking about his word? Are you thinking about those types of things? I mean, you've got to, if you don't like, if, if there's problems in the area of behavior in your life, then you need to change your thoughts. You need to deal with it on the level of your thinking. Amen? And so here's a question. And, and nobody blurting out any answers. This is a rhetorical, this is a rhetorical question. How would you rate your Christian life? your Christian experience. Now, we're not supposed to do this, okay? So I'm asking you to do something. We're not supposed to give ourselves a grade. We're not supposed to sit here and give our... Give, on a scale of one to 10, what would you give it? You know, one, you're really awful. 10, you think you're doing pretty good. Or maybe you think you're somewhere in the middle. How would you rate your Christian life? Do you find yourself struggling with things? Is your life one of struggle, continue with struggle? Or do you find yourself living in victory in your life? Is your life filled with joy or sorrow? Or, or what, what is your life marked by? Is, 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 is it trouble all the time? Or is there peace? My next question then is, what do you spend your time thinking about? What do you spend your time dwelling on? What type of, well, let me just get into it here. What type of entertainment 
do you expose yourself to? These are all important questions for the believer. We're, we're, we're talking about Philippians. It's the joy division, right? This is about us being filled with the joy of the Lord. This is about us rejoicing in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice, right? And if we're going to have the joy-filled Christian life, a believer must fill his mind with the right thoughts and concepts and not trash. Can I call it that? Trash thinking. Thinking that's trash. Is that okay? Yeah. There's thinking that's just trash. The brain is basically a computer. The, the, the human brain is just an incredible thing. I mean, I, I, when I've watched scientists and philosophers talk about the brain, the thing that I always come away with is how little they know about the brain. <laughs> the brain is just this incredible thing. I mean, right now, I can say something, and you can, I can take you back to like the third grade. I could sing a song, we could play, you know, whatever, and boom, you could, you could go right back in your mind, in your brain, in your mind's eye, you could go back to all kinds of different things in your memory, in your thoughts. The brain, it's, a, it's like a computer that way. And so just like a regular computer, whatever you put into the computer is what's going to come out of the computer. There's an old saying, it was, actually, it was actually a song by Petra, the band Petra, called Computer Brains. Anybody remember this song? Yeah. Computer Brains? Yeah, it's a fun song. It said this, put garbage in, get garbage out. <laughs> computer Brains, right? And that's, our brain is like a computer. And if you put garbage in, you're going to get garbage out. And people want to know why, why they have no joy, why they have no victory in their life, because they're just pummeling their mind with Garbage, putting garbage into the computer. Uh, and so we've got we've to watch this. Now, there's a problem in today's world because we are, we, well, this is no longer the computer age. I almost said this was the computer age. But we grew up in the computer age, right? I mean, we remember those of you, not, not, not this table over here, but most of these, <clears throat> this, the, the, these tables over here. We remember, I saw, this on the, I saw this on the internet, you know, you'll be able to, we'll be able to tell our grandchildren. Any, anybody a grandma in here? Grandpa? Okay. So you'll be able to tell your grandkids, and then when we all have grandkids someday, we'll be able to, we'll be, come on over and see Grandpa. Let me tell you, I remember when there was no internet. And they're going to be like, what? What, Grandpa? Yeah, let me tell you about it. Let me tell you about phones that were connected to the wall, you know, and you had to stand with those old curly, you know, you know things. But anyways, as the computer thing got going, and of course, once the internet hit, people, we had our computers, and then you would have, they have these viruses, that get into the computers, right? There's people, I guess, that sit around and write like viruses. And they want to just, just, you know, I don't know. I don't, some of it is to find out exactly what you're doing with your computer. 
You know, they want to know, like, you know, if you're, what, what you're clicking on, what, you know, so they can sell you a bunch of stuff, right? You know, have you ever noticed that? You, you do a Google search for, you know, your Christmas presents or something, and then, like, you know, all your ads and everything is just, you know, that, right? You know, I was, you know, I've been doing some Christmas shopping on, online, and I, all this stuff, you know, that I, that, that, that I wasn't looking for. But they know. But the, but the computer, there was a time... And, and I don't know much about this anymore, but there was a time when you had certain viruses that would literally take over the entire computer. Now, I haven't had that problem since I've been, you know, I've, I've had Apple computers. Um, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying they're better. I'm not saying they're better. I'm just saying I haven't had that problem, per se, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but anyways, we've got, there's a virus of sin in, in us, and, and if we don't have a virus protection, that virus is just gonna wreak its havoc in our computer. And so what we need is a virus protection. You know these guys that come on, these, gen- these guys, these little guys, that you know, they're geniuses, but they come up with, the, they, they, they run these companies that are, you know, virus, uh, you know, what, what's the guy? PC, PC-matic, you know, the P, PC-matic guy. This guy came up with PC-matic before I ever saw who he was. I thought, man, PC-matic, whoever came up with this is a genius. And then I saw, it's this guy. This guy sitting here telling me I, I invented PC-matic. Good for him. He's doing great. But there, but there is a PC-matic for the believer, for our brains and our hearts and our spirits. And it's, it's called thinking about right things. It's called having the Holy Spirit in our hearts, in our lives, and thinking about the right things. So let's look through the list here. Paul says, he gives us this list, and he says, these are the things that you need to think about. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is true, we need to be thinking about things that are true, folks. Think about how much time is, is consumed by thinking about things that are not true, that are false, that are incorrect. We're, we're seeing it on a daily basis. Things, and some of it's inconsequential, but some of it has tr- dramatic consequences in, in, in our lives, in our countries, in our families. You know, stuff that's not true. We're told to think on things that are true. The Greek word here, the Greek word for truth in the New Testament is aletheia. And it actually is, is you know, Jesus said, I am the truth, right? And, and what it is, is I am that which is ultimately real. Right. It's that which conforms to reality. That which is in accordance with actual reality. Not lies, not rumors, or embellishments. We, the, the world is is dwelling upon lies. And I said it in the opening, we have a propensity, we have a knack for picking up on a lie and people would just go with it. And, and, and we've gotta have, we've gotta have the type of, we've gotta have the Holy Spirit in our lives that's guiding us into truth and so that we have literally a, a truth detector. A truth detector. And I think the Lord's gonna guide us into truth. And, and, and the number one place we can find truth is the word of God. We know that it is truth because Jesus called it truth. 
John 17, 17, write it down, put it on, you know, put it on, you know, needle point it into something and hang it up on your wall, right? Your word, he said, is truth. When he was praying for us in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So that which is in accordance with reality. We spend a lot of time thinking about things that are not reality. They're not in accordance with reality. They're grave possibilities. We think about, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And there's, and there's this anxiousness, anxiousness, anxiousness. And, and my, my wife is, is, is uh, one of the biggest fans of this, of this verse, these, these, these couple verses here. In fact, she could have done the teaching tonight and probably done a better job um, on this passage. And she uh, loves to encourage the women to think about things that are true and not false. And not sitting around all day thinking about all this stuff that's not true and, and, and getting yourself all riled up into, a, into, into just a, a mess. And then guess what? It's not even true. It's not even true. We've got to think about things that are true. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is what is ultimately real and genuine. And if we have Jesus in our lives and we have his spirit in our lives, he's going to guide us into truth. And then we need to be in his word. And then we need to, we need to you know, we need to dwell on things that are, that are true and real. True and real. Amen? Amen? Paul says, whatsoever things are noble. How did he say that in the ESV? Verse 8, whatever is honorable, whatever is honorable. As believers, we need to think and dwell upon things that are noble or honorable. The Greek word here means honorable or venerated or revered. Now, I do have to say this, and, it, it, and it's, it's, it's been on a kind of a downward plunge for many decades. But it doesn't take a rocket science to look at most of the entertainment that we see around. And I, and, and, and I don't ever say, well, don't do this, Christian, don't do that. You need to be a person who's got the Holy Spirit. You need to be a person, and I am going to put that to you, to invite the Holy Spirit to be your guide and to give you that nudge when the, there's something that you're looking at, something that you're watching, maybe it's a show, maybe it's a movie, I don't need to be watching this. I don't need to be dwelling upon this. I don't need to be filling my mind with this type of thing. Uh, it's, it's bad. It's gotten bad. You know, we went from, you know, gone with the wind. <laughs> you know, frankly, scarlet. I don't give a, you know, to today, right? And it's an unbelievable slide. Um, we just need to be careful. We need to be careful. Uh, whatsoever things are just or right. Look at that. How does he say that? Finally, brothers, whatsoever is true, whatsoever is honorable, whatsoever is just. Whatsoever is just or right. We've got to think, think about things that are right and just. The word here. For just means, means righteous. It actually has to do with observing God's laws. So we must meditate and think about, think on the laws of God. Amen? As a believer, we need to think about the laws of God. 
The psalmist said it this way in Psalm 119, verse 1. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. They also do no iniquity and they walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my, my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments and I will praise you with uprightness of heart. When I learn your righteous judgments and I will keep your statutes, oh, do not forsake me. Um, we're told in Deuteronomy the Lord, through Moses, you know, God had given the law to the people after they had come out of, of, out of Egypt and they worshiped God and, and God had given them the law. And then there was this admonition uh, to parents, right? To, to you know, kind of write the commandments on, you know, to have them on your forehead, on your head, and to wrap them as, around your, uh, your arms and, and all this. And, and the Jews, of course, have taken that literally to where they actually bound like these bands with these little boxes of, you know, little scrolls. They call them phylacteries. And so they had little copies of the law on their heads, right? <laughs> so it's like, okay, put, put, put these laws that I speak to you right now on your head. And so they literally, they literally bound them to their head. And it's kind of like, no, 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 you're, you're kind of missing the point. What I want you to do is I want you to think about them. I want, I want them to be literally on your brain, not on your forehead. <laughs> I want them to be on your brain. You, you know what God wants on your brain? He wants his laws. And so, and, and his word, and so we've got to, and so one of the things too is he said, write them on the, you know, doorposts of your home. And so they would literally put little scrolls with the commandments in the, you know, in the door and everything. And, um, and, and, and the idea there is not having little commandments in the, in the door and, you know, Let's write them down on a little piece of paper and put, you know, put the commandments in, you know, in between the cracks of the door. You know, we're good. We're good. We got the commandments in the, in the, in the, in the door. No, he, he, he's talking about when you go out and when you come in, let your, let your life be governed by my laws and my principles. You're coming and going, you know? And, and then there's this idea of, of, of having them having the laws up. And I remember teaching that passage. Uh, I've taught that passage several times and I remember it was probably like a Mother's Day or a Father's Day, you know, because it's, it's a great Father's Day message to encourage the fathers. But I remember talking about having the, the commandments, you know, visible in the house. And I remember I went up, I went up to the Christian bookstore and I found the best looking 10 commandments with them all written out. And, and we put them right up in the, between the kitchen and where the table was where we sat and ate. And I could always just sit in my seat and just point at the commandments and say, yeah, number nine, <laughs> you shall not bear false witness. <laughs> 
Parents, you got to know these things. You got to know you got to know how to do this, right? Number 9. Trey. <laughs> Jake, Luke, you shall not bear false witness. So, we've got to we've got to be people of his word. And you know, you can really start with the 10 commandments. Um, we've got to get back to the 10 commandments as just a people. Um, the 10 commandments when you look at it, from top to bottom, is just, you know, you ah, there's so much stuff in there I don't understand. Look at the Ten Commandments. Think about the, just the Ten Commandments, what God has said in there. You, you, you shall have no other God before me. Don't, don't make for yourself a graven image. Don't, don't, don't take my name in vain. The idea there actually in the Hebrew is actually carry. It has nothing to do with, with, with saying God, whatever. It, it has to do with carrying the name of God. Misrepresent, carrying the name of God under false pretenses is what it has to do with. And just you keep on going down the list. We would do very well in our lives just to be just to, to know those and to and to rejoice in those like the like the uh, like the psalmist did there in Psalm 119 he says whatsoever things are pure we have to have thoughts that are pure the greek word here is the greek word hagnos and it means pure free from contamination or blemish wow we we should think about things that are pure how are we going to Wow, in this day and age? In this day and age? Yeah. Free from contamination, blemish. This means we should have thoughts that are pure and wholesome, not mixed with moral impurity. This is very difficult in a corrupt world. Very difficult. No, no one's saying that this is, you know, <laughs> a primrose path. But this is what we're called to. How can we have thoughts of purity? How can we even in this culture be, think to begin to do well on, on that point? Whatsoever things are pure. Turn with me over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And we've got to hurry up because we're... 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and I want to read it at verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your disobedience is complete. Stop right there. This is the warfare. Paul is talking to us about the warfare that we wage against the corruption of this world. Verse 3, for we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. We have divine weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We've been given spiritual weapons to do spiritual battle. We have a Holy Spirit of God living inside of us. And on top of that, we've been given 
the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, if it, you know, the, the, the Holy Spirit comes in his power upon us. And so, and then we're, we're called here, he says, and taking every thought captive to obey Christ. So how do we have pure thoughts in a world that's filled with corruption? We have an offensive weapon. When, you, it, it, when he says we take every thought captive, this is an offensive this is an offensive idea here. This is not a defensive, it's not a reactionary thing. It's an offensive thing. So when there's something that is carnal, when there's something that elevates itself up against the knowledge of God, when there's something that is not pure on that mind, mindset, we need to take it captive. The idea here is literally, uh, it's, it's, it's the idea of, of, of literally taking in warfare, if you can, you know, taking, taking, taking something captive. What do we take captive? Take every thought captive. We take every thought captive and we make it obedient to Christ. It's the, it's the picture of an army taking captive the enemy. This is what we do to these thoughts and arguments. And I'm reminded of a passage in Joshua the, 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 the image of ultimate victory in the Old Testament is literally the, um, we, we find this in Genesis 3.15, you know, where the, you know, the, the, you know, and he will crush the head of, he will bruise his heel, but he will crush his head. There's a great scene in, uh, in, in Joshua when, you know, they have, they have conquered these kings and they had put, they, they conquered them alive. They, cap, they actually took them captive and put them in a cave. And they brought him out of the cave and they literally put, they had, Joshua had the captains of the armies literally put their feet upon the necks, upon the heads of these kings that they had conquered. And, and this is the imagery. It's taking captive and having victory over it. And, and, and so this is, this is the picture. And so this is what we do to thoughts and arguments. We make them obedient to Christ. And so we need to be we are in charge of our thoughts. We're in charge of our brain. We're in charge of it. And so we need to be in charge. Amen? Um, look, back to, uh, look back to Philippians 4. He says, whatever is uh, pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, whatever is lovely, we should think on things that are morally beautifully, beautiful or lovely. The, the Greek word here for lovely is used here only in the New Testament. Paul was referring to thoughts of great moral and spiritual beauty, not of evil. Don't dwell on things that are evil. Don't dwell on things that are evil. The, NR, the NRSV translated this word lovely as pleasing. But a lot of the commentators didn't like the uh, translation from the NRSV because, and this is what one said, but because the sinful nature can perversely find evil to be pleasing. The word lovely is, is really preferred. Lovely. Morally lovely. Amen. Whatsoever things are of good report, we're to think of, of that that would garner a good report. 
The Greek word here for good report could also be translated admirable, to think about things that are admirable. It refers to things that speak well of the thinker. What would speak well of you as a thinker? If, if the three or four people immediately around you could look at every one of your thoughts and, they, and you could read all of their thoughts. Thank God this doesn't happen. Amen? This is just an illustration. This is just an illustration. But think of, of people being able to read your thoughts, you being able to read your, other people's thoughts. Would your thoughts be admirable? Would they go, wow, good, wow, that's admirable. That's, that's, that's good. That's a good report. That's, that's admirable. Wow. Would, would, they, would they be commendable? Would, they, would others praise you for your thoughts? Or would your, would your thoughts condemn you in that sense? If there's anything virtue, if, if there's anything of virtue, we think about things that, 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 that have virtue, of virtuous. Some translations use the word excellent, the one I read from. The ESV used the word excellent. The idea here is that we should think about things that are morally excellent. Is there anything praiseworthy? We should think about things that are praiseworthy. A good place to start is to think about Jesus. <laughs> Amen? Just to think about the Lord. If you don't know, man, if you're trying to take thoughts captive and you don't know what to think about, think about the Lord. Think about him because he's praiseworthy. Amen? Amen. And then let's wrap it up. Let's go back to verse 8. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything praiseworthy, think about these things. Think about these things. Verse 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So basically, what, is, uh, what does Paul say? What does he, he finish up this verse with? He, he basically, do what I do. Do what you've seen me do. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.10, he said, but you have carefully followed my doctrine... My manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of all of them, all, the Lord delivered me. What is he telling Timothy? You've seen, you've seen the depth and the breadth of my life. I've been an open book to you. And I, and, and I commend you to do what I do, to do what I do, to do what I've done. Look at that verse nine. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Practice these things. So we've got to look to the Lord, look to, look to examples in, in the word. Paul told the Corinthians, he said, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. He also, later he said, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. So he, he received from the Lord and he delivered it to the, to, the, to the people. And he says, if you'll do these things, God will be with you. 
God will be with you. So let's go back to the, the beginning. We've got what you think about actually has a lot to do with, with how you feel. And we live in a culture that wants to deal with things on the feeling level. Deal with, well, I feel, I feel, I feel. Well, you can't, you can't unfeel by focusing on the feelings. The way that you deal with feelings and the way that you feel is you deal with it first on the, on the thought level and allow the thoughts, the good thoughts, to affect good action and then good action produces good feeling. Amen? This culture that we live in, it's about a good feeling or a bad feeling. It made me feel bad. We've got to go back two steps. If you want to embrace something that, that most young people are not embracing today, it's going back two full steps from feeling to action to thinking. The problem is with the thinking that has produced certain action that now has produced a certain feeling that we don't like. Let's go back and take Philippians 4, 8, and 9 and look at these things. Think about these things and see how our lives are different. See how our lives become more of the joy of the Lord and less of the friction and strife and, and all this other stuff that's happening. And um, I, I told you in the beginning, this is, these verses here are revolutionary if you, if you, if you get this into your, into your mind and into your spirit. It will revolutionize your life. Um, and, and honestly, if your life is re revolutionized, it'll revolutionize lives around you.